Can I have your attention for a moment? What's good, Revolution? Welcome to the What's Your Revolution show. A show for men and the people who love them. Where we discuss how men can find and embrace the healthiest versions of themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corporate. What's good, revolutionaries? You know the deal. I won't even spit my usual diatribe with you. You know where to find me. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at What's Your Revolution. Come check me out. See what's going on. Let me know how your revolutions are going as we come to the last quarter of the year. I'm spending some time really thinking about, you know, my quarter plan. What's going to happen before we turn 2020? And I know we've been mired in a pandemic. We've been mired in civil unrest. We got some interesting folks in leadership, man, and they are just doing some <laughs> interesting things. And we'll say that. But you are your own revolution. You are your own path, right? And as you think about how you're going to, how you're going to transform the end of 2020, think about this, that as we move into this last quarter, how are you going to push yourself? Because you, you may be mired in trials, you may be mired in tribulations, but there is a path out. It is the impetus for your revolution. So as you think about October, November, and December, how are you going to answer what we think is the most thought-provoking question of your life? What's your revolution? And you know we are here for you. I want to jump into today's show because I I am... Man, I get to do... I, I just get to interview some just dope people, right? I am fortunate to, you know, be able to, like, be able to have tentacles out in the world to be able to say, Hey, brother... I know we've only met one time, but that conversation, that two-hour drive in the car as we were moving through Mississippi to see our, our homegirl, Lakidra, shout out to her, yeah. we bonded, right? And I wanted to make sure that I got a chance to have Brother Jeff, Brother Jeff Fard, activist, community activist, right? CEO, uh, entrepreneur, nonprofit leader from Denver who is doing his amazing thing. And his background is even more than that, but I wanted to make sure I got this brother on the show Brother Jeff Fard, welcome to the What's Your Revolution show. How you doing? Man, it's good to see you. Good to hear you. You look good. You sound good. It's just good to, you know, uh, reconnect. And when you talk about, you know, black men getting together for health, well-being, and just, just as the young folks say, tapping in. Yeah. Doing the beautiful work, brother. It's just a, it's a pleasure to, to just be a part of your vision. Man, I appreciate you. And look, if you get a chance to see, we'll put this video up on uh, YouTube, but if you get a chance to see it, man, this brother is sitting like the ancestors are behind him. And as we said before the show in the green room, we are standing all on top of our ancestors' shoulders and they are lifting us up as we continue to do this work, dear brother. We are continuing the, the journey of our ancestors who have prop, propped us up and said, you know what, you know, we are the, we are the, the amalgamation, we are the depiction of their wildest dreams, dear brother. Shout out to B Mike in New Orleans, bro. So, what's been going on with you, uh, brother Jeff? I get to watch you on uh, on your Facebook page each night as you bring in different guests. But what's what's going on before I ask you our signature question? How you doing? Man, that's a profound question to ask uh, any 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 brother, uh, particularly those who are part of the struggle, those who are helpers or healers or givers or activists or organizers. And even though we are standing on the shoulders of our ancestors and we know that they're cheering us on and that we cannot fail, you know, it's like, what would we do if we knew that we couldn't fail? Mm. And that's the space that we're in. We cannot fail because we've made it this far. 
and um, we've got we've 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 got more to give, more to do. But when you say how am I doing, um, you know, in all honesty, sometimes I'm frazzled. You know, sometimes I'm I'm I'm, I'm um, in between places and spaces. You know, um, sometimes I'm working on one thing and heading in a different direction in these societal um, ills that you alluded to in terms of these interesting folks that are in leadership and uh, th- and are also standing on the shoulders of their ancestors. Yes, they are. Tell the story. Tell the story. And, and, and responding to their call when they're saying my ancestors are rolling over in our in their in their collective graves because of, you know, our advancements, um, you know, being between that and doing this. Sometimes I'm like, you know what? How am I doing? So. You know, right now it's good. I'm talking to another person in the same space, but then other times I'm like, what in the hell is going on? <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes I'm missing days. I'm missing months. I'm, I'm, I'm like catching up on this. I'm like, oh yeah, I was doing that. And then this happened. And it, it just shows how powerful we are as a people to be able to juggle so many things at once, so many social pressures at once. It makes me it makes me uh, think about if we weren't dealing with white supremacy, if we weren't dealing with hostile environments around us all the time. You know, I'd probably be writing poetry. I'd probably paint painting. I'd probably be climbing a mountain or doing another 40 footer or whatever it is. But as I am right now, I'm happy to say that I'm present. That's how I'm doing right now. I'm present and I'm present with you. Yeah, brother. And gratitude. Gratitude to you for just telling me where you are in in this space. And I want to just unpack a little bit what you said, because it would be, you know, what would the world look like for us as black men if the constraints that have been shackled upon us since birth, no matter our status, Brother Jeff, if we could just unsheathe those, right? And see the world from a clearer lens. What would our lives be like? If I didn't have to, or excuse me, if we did not have to worry about when I enter into this room or when I enter in this space, when I get on this elevator or when I walk down the street, how am I going to be perceived and how do I have to talk? How do I have to walk? The internal dialogue that I have to have when I make a phone call to a restaurant right? So they don't put me in a certain space that I have to, at least in my mind, Brother Jeff, say I'm Dr. Corpus. So, right, that you may treat me a little bit differently in my mind, right? To, to unsheathe that, my brother, and to just live is a very, very privileged thing, Jeff. It is a very, very privileged thing. And the last thing I say is that I'm probably, you know, this is TMI, brother, but this is my show and I can say it on my show. I was laying in bed, uh, last week, I went back to New Orleans. I moved a couple of weeks ago, almost eight weeks. Been home two weeks, two months now. And I was laying in bed and all of my needs had been met. I was happy. I was satiated. I had had good food. I had spent time drinking wine with friends. I'd spent some time with my, my good friend. And it was about two or three o'clock in the morning, Brother Jeff. And I was just up. And my mind was clear. And I began to be creative. I began to think about what's a revolution in the podcast and all the things that are going on 
with how to pontificate and, and proliferate and all the P words that mean to, to lift this thing up. And I remember getting up that morning and saying to my friend, like, it was the first time in a long time that I, I felt like I could be creative. Mm. And she was like, why? I was like, because I was laying next to you. You know, I'd had a good time. I had worked with great people. I'd been able to sit out on the bayou with my colleagues and I was safe for just a few moments, Jeff. Yeah. And I got the, my mind went to this creative space and I was like, what does it feel like to be in that creative space more often? And like you said, we don't often get there because we are hampered sometimes by our constraints. And so that's my little diatribe. And I appreciate you getting me, getting me into the space, but I, I, I felt it for just a, just a, a couple of hours in that morning light when, the, when the, the light is coming through and you can just be creative. And I was like, wow, what is this? Is, I haven't felt like this in a long time. And it was Man. beautiful. It was beautiful. Man, that, that's powerful. I had, a, uh, I had a, an, a, a moment. It was interesting because 2020 seems to have been a very um, trying year for a lot of people for a lot of reasons, um, you know, a global pandemic, uh, you know, folks have been, you know, disconnected from family and travel and all the places that I would be. Like right now I would be on the continent and, you know, COVID has got me, you know, here and it's, you know, settled me in an interesting place. But let me, let me tell you, you know, right back to, to our question, since, you know, you are about transparency. You're about creating um, uh, open spaces for brothers to have conversations. And it seems to, it seems to me that a lot of, uh, and I'm making this up because I don't know, um, but I would imagine because I don't hear a lot of in-depth conversations like you just presented uh, your moment of freedom. You know what I mean? I know a lot of, of brothers are going through a lot of things, but I don't hear a lot of them explaining to anyone in real depth what they're going through. Yes. And I think it's because so many people are going through so many things that um, we, I minimize what we're going through in terms of verbalizing it because we know everybody's going through something. So why should I put minds out there too? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so with that being said, when you ask me how I'm doing, and where I'm at, I began reflecting on that a lot more within the past week. And let me tell you why. Um, my, my year started off, New Year's Eve started off with my very first cousin, my close cousin. You know, you always got those family members that are very yes. close to you. My year started off with her being murdered by her boyfriend. Mm, sorry, brother. You know what I mean? And it was, and, and I'm talking about so extreme, it's on national news, mm. you know, to where... The, the, the boyfriend mur mur murders her. The police are in a shootout with him. Wow. He hits an officer. The officers kill him. That's how New Year's Eve started off for me. Mm. I'm sorry, Jeff. You know, um, when I think about uh, COVID-19, you know, one of the founders of Brother Jeff's Cultural Center, someone who's been, you know, a godsend, a close brother, you know, a visionary every step of the way is the first person who's a veteran to be admitted into the VA mm. with COVID-19 in the U.S. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> the, the first veteran 
to be entered into the VA hospital with COVID-19 was right here in Colorado. Wow. One of the founders of Brother Jeff's Cultural Center. Mm. To the point where they have, they pulled the plug on him about four times. I'm talking about being on ventilator. The, the other side of that is he survived that. Yes, yes. You know I mean? Thank so, God. So when you, t- when you start talking about the peaks and valleys that are taking place, it's like, all of this is happening at the same time. And then two of my little mentees, you know, I mentor a lot of young people and some have become doctors um, and some have gone to the penitentiary and some are gone and some are, you know, I don't measure success by anything, you know, but I'm just saying the, the, the scope of individuals I work with, two of my young brothers made the news because they were murdered. You know what I mean? And so all of this is happening at the same time and I'm still helping. And there's a, a good friend who's recording a video and, you know, she's using the cultural center and we're texting back and forth. And, you know, it's the, the follow up slipped through. And so when I saw her in the middle of her production, it was like, are you mad at me? <laughs> and I'm like, man, I've been in so many different places. Yes. You know what I mean? That I'm not upset with you. I don't want to make excuses for letting you down by not closing the, you know, the piece that you needed from me. I'm going to make a makeup to you to prove to you that I want to be back in integrity with you, you know, for, for not following up. And she asked the very question that you asked, how are you doing? And it was at that time where I said, well, let me, let me really sit with that question because you know, the things that I'm doing and the things that I'm going through, I want to make sure that things are not falling away that are important, that I should be doing, that I'm missing, um, not intentionally. And it perceived as being dismissive while I'm in a different place. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, <laughs> brother, I, 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 yeah, brother, I feel you. You know, and, you know, I, I, I feel you because, I've, you know, we, we, I think we can numb our pain by doing so much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, doing the What's Your Revolution show, doing Brother Jeff's Cultural Center, doing your show, right? Uh, doing uh, my work at Camelback, right? Doing the mentoring. We, we, you know, trying to take care of my 91-year-old father, you taking care of the community and all of the aspects we get so wrapped up that at the end of the day, you're like, it's, uh, this day is gone. Yeah. Right? The, day, the day is gone. And I asked myself today, I was, I was out, Jeff, and we, I asked myself, what did I do fun today? Right? Has, it, has anybody put their hands on me today? Right? <laughs> you know, I was like, I said, I'm living this life right now. And I, 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 I wake up. I work out, I work all day long, I spend a little bit of time with my mom and dad, I work some more, I put them to bed, I go to bed, and it's, it's rinse and repeat. Yeah. yeah. And you wake up and it's, it's October, <laughs> you know, it's October the 6th. And we, we, we've got to slow down, right? And we've got to ask each other how we're doing. And we can't be afraid to have this conversation that we're having because, you know, we've been taught as black men, don't tell everybody your, you, you know, your business, right? 
No, tell some people your business. Tell the people you trust your business because we're going through something. And in less than like 30 days, right? We, we, the next 30 days are going to be so tense for all of us, mm. right? The heightened media scrutiny, the, the intensity of nefariousness that's going to go on, the, the immense media onslaught of what we've seen. We, we've seen death on TV. We've watched a man die this year. Yeah. We literally watched somebody's eyes, not on a movie, right? It wasn't a movie. It wasn't fake. We watched, we watched the life come out of him. Yeah. Right. And we're going to be hit when people trying to tell us that we shouldn't vote one way or that we should vote another way. Right. Or that. Right. That all lives matter or that you forget that black lives matter and all these different things. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's troublesome as well. You know, um, like, for example, I believe. You know, this could be the conspiratorial portion of me or just the person who has studied enough history to realize and to have the ability to see patterns. And um, when I say that, yes, we are standing on the, the shoulders of our ancestors and so are they. That tells me that there's a playbook that has been passed down that allows for repression, suppression, um, a narrative that has individuals believing that it's okay to take black bodies. And so I'm very, I'm very, um, I'm very sensitive and I'm, and I'm very intentional to not watch those images. Yeah. So for example, uh, George Floyd or right here in Colorado with the name Elijah McClain that yes. is around the, the world right now of a young man who was, you know, police go hands on with him in 18 seconds. And he's like, you know what? I'm a pacifist. I don't even I don't even eat meat. You know what I mean? And they pump them up with ketamine and then they take pictures laughing with about the chokehold a few days later. I don't watch the images because I already know the narrative. Yes. And I know that those images are uh, forms of terrorism to have individuals constantly saying, is this something that could happen to me? Yes. You know, am I safe? You know, um, Imagine if you were able to wake up and not ask the question, am I safe? You know, should I do this? Like, for example, I wake up every morning about 4.30 in the morning. I began maybe a, a, a run or a walk at five, but I'm, I'm consciously waiting to see when that sun is coming up because I'm not going to be out in the shadows, even in a, a neighborhood that used to be black, but now is highly gentrified to where individuals are kind of wondering what is this black guy doing? Yeah, this is my neighborhood. <laughs> With all of that being said, we are in a profound moment. And I've been reconciling, you know, what does it mean to be a black man, to be a free man, and to also actualize my full potential without having to justify that through the lens of someone else. And, you know, I've, I've come up with some pretty good ways of dealing with that <laughs> <laughs> Jeff brother Jeff brother Jeff like like revolutionists you can't see me but I just like threw my arms up like because you know I, I spend a lot of time thinking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and I understand this this is this is wasn't created by a black man but I I, I it goes back to that the top of Maslow's hierarchy needs is self-actualization right but you got to fend through all the other stuff just to get there 
right? Everything that we just pocket talking about to actualize what it what it's like to like be the best version of yourself. Yeah. To wake up and actualize, I can actually do this. I can actually be this. And like you said, I got like I gotta I gotta walk in my neighborhood, right? The neighborhood that used to be my neighborhood and my people used to live here, right? That it's my neighborhood. And I feel the same way. I just I'm staying with my family and I got all these American flags on my street. Now I got don't tread on me on my street now. And they're looking at me and I'm like, this is my block. And I'm going to make you realize that this is, I've been here 50 years, right? Right. Chucky used to play on these streets when you had no clue, right? What, what was going on in these streets right here. So don't look at me like, why are you here? I've been here. My family, we are the institution here, not you. And yeah, it, it, it is very interesting, brother. Look, look, I need to ask you this question, right? Because everybody's been waiting. Brother Jeff, what's your revolution? Man, you know, um, my, my revolution is being true and having a knowledge of self, you know, and, and self-actualization and having time to sit down with a brother like Dr. Charles and, and have a real conversation without having someone looking over my shoulder, monitoring what I'm going to say because... Uh, they might they might penalize me in the form of a contract or a position or advancement. Uh, my revolution is about freedom, and 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 that looks different for everyone. Um, and so I don't I don't put that in terms of what freedom is on you. I'm talking about freedom is to me. So for example, my revolution um, looks like this currently. The mindset is I'm in a three foot pool with a two foot man on my back, but I'm 12 foot tall. <laughs> wow. Right. I'm in a three foot pool with a two foot man on my back, but I'm 12 foot tall. My revolution is to simply stand up. Right. You know, and it's up to that two footer to figure out how they're going to deal with that other one foot. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, and so when we talk about my neighborhood, my revolution is hanging out with brothers and sisters who are not buying back the block. We've kept our block and we're and we're buying the rest of it. Like so, for example, uh, when you come to five points um, in Colorado, we don't really have to talk about what a black Wall Street was because we have one right now. Yeah. We don't have to talk about what if we pulled our resources. We've already done that. We don't have to talk about why don't we buy these buildings? We already own them. We don't have to worry about how someone is going to interact or engage with us when we come forward seeking capital because we already got the capital. Mm. And so the revolution that I'm a part of is a realization of that whatever we are attempting to have or attempting to get, we already have. And so my revolution is about ownership. And my, my revolution is deeper than ownership for an individual family or an individual lifetime. My revolution is about transgenerational ownership. So I want my sixth generation to be free also. And I'm talking about economically. I'm talking about spiritually. I'm talking about morally. I'm talking about politically. Everything that a free people have that are markers to 
uh, show that they are free. I have that right now, but that's not going to go away when I'm away because yes. my children and my yes. children are going to be those trust fund kids that individuals read about and see about. My children, we talk about when they're buying Nikes, we're saying, yeah, you could buy Nike shoes or you could buy Nike stock. stock. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so my revolution is about freedom. My revolution is about collective work and responsibility. My, my revolution is about honoring my ancestors. And while they're cheering me on, I'm doing things that are not um, making my community um, have any sense of shame. So my revolution is about them old folks they call race people. And it's not at the discount of anybody else, any race, any background, or however anybody sees anything. My revolution is about equality. And I'm not asking them for anything because I already got it. Mm. And so, and I'm around people that already have it. I'm around folks that are economically stable. And I'm around folks that could use a little knowledge, wisdom, and understanding that I'm willing to share as well. So I hang out with black billionaires. I hang out with black folks that got plenty of cake. But I also hang out with folks that have a sense of responsibility that it's just not about them. It's about giving back and it's about being in community and with community. And if that resonates with anybody as it relates to my revolution, I want to join my revolution with your revolution. Man, brother. <laughs> I, give me a moment. <laughs> give, give, me a, give me a moment to kind of in, internalize all of that. Like, I've asked this, I've asked that question 96 times so far. It is the most, and I've, some of the most prolific brothers in the, in the country have been on my show to answer that question. Dear brother, like, like literally, that's revolution. And the question that, the question that I'm sitting with, right, because the power in what you just said is that we got this. Basically, the undergirding of what you just said is that we got this. We do. We got this. We're 12 foot tall in a three foot pool. All we got to do is stand up. Is all you got to do is stand up. The question that, that, that begs that my revolutionary is going to ask is, all right, Jeff, how did you get there? Right? Because they are brothers. There's, there's Chris Senegal in Houston. There's uh, uh, Julian Gordon in New Orleans and Baton Rouge. There's brother Jeff Fard in Denver who are talking about this collective action, about this transgenerational wealth and, and, and creating this, right? People say like, okay, I, I, I get this, right? We got we to gotta buy it, but how do I even get started? How do I even begin to think about like buying up the block and, and protecting it? And, and, and when we talk about revitalization, we're talking about revitalization for us. We're protecting us because I'm seeing this in Denver and, and Fayetteville and, and Raleigh and, and Denver in and, and these cities across the country that have been largely populated by us that are being taken away. I, I, I get into it with my mother. Like, why, we, why, why did generation, did we give away the good land? How do you get started? Well, you know, um, you start by starting where you're at. And 
one of the things that's important to realize as we, let's just take gentrification for a moment. If you don't understand that gentrification is economic warfare, then you're gonna miss the mark. And you're gonna just think that for some reason your neighborhood has just had potholes that have been filled. You're gonna think that those dark streets are now light. You're gonna think that now those parking meters in neighborhoods that didn't have them all of a sudden appeared in those electric charging stations in those dog parks just came about based on someone's, um, not entitlement, but someone's success. And so you look at their success and say, that's why we have all those things. And you miss the point that politically, your economic base has been attacked. And so in many cities, like for example, we call um, Denver the mile high income city. If you, if you have not put yourself in a position economically to participate in a city, do not move here. They are violently uh, aggressive towards our unhoused neighbors and the expenses to live here are simply uh, going to box you out. So how do you start? You start with what you have. If you have a penny, then you save half of that penny and you do something with it to where you're going to make that penny a full penny and a half. Whatever you have, you have to work it. And so my number one um, kind of strategy is first to listen, particularly to the ancestors and to my elders. The best way to have something is to get around someone that has something. And if you have nothing and you get around somebody who has something, then the best thing you can do is learn how to have something. Our people as, as, as black folks, we have become so enamored and we are so well versed in oral, um, oral debate skills and entertainment that we've turned everything into a mode of entertainment. We've turned our spiritual centers into entertainment. We've turned our political leaders into entertainers. We've, we've, we've made our leaders into entertainers. And it's almost like we want a ticket to get up and cheer and chant and say, oorah and all of those different things. But we're not listening to what they're saying and implementing what's being told. So the instruction in our community has always been this. If you think about other communities, you have never seen a realtor from another community go into someone else's community and move and sell property. Just doesn't happen. Not that often. We are the only people who will let other folks come in and buy up our property and not sell it to other individuals who look like you, even though they have money. See, we act like black folks don't have money to buy property. We act like black folks don't have the economic wherewithal to participate economically. And that's not on someone else, that's on us. And so how do you get there? One, you support your own. And two, you buy and you have an ownership mentality. And three, you partner with individuals who have that. And four, if there's some information or opportunities that you're looking for that you don't have, you, you have a keen antenna to when the creator, the ancestors, or however you look at it, 
bring that into your, your, your circumference, you could say that's an opportunity that I need to follow. So how do we do it? You take what you have and you own it. If you're a renter, figure out a way to become an owner. If there's a boarded up building in your neighborhood, figure out a way to purchase it. If there's a block that's in disrepair, know and be assured that someone is preparing to come in and retool that particular neighborhood, why not you? And if what I'm saying is so difficult to understand, go watch Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. Mm. Just do that. Just, <laughs> just, just, just go look at something 20 years ago and not, now not look at it as entertainment, look at it as prophecy. Just do that. Wow. Listen, to, listen to Dr. Charles and What's Your Revolution and listen to these guests and say, hmm, I'm not listening to argue with those brothers. I'm not listening to debate with those brothers. I'm listening to learn from and perhaps wrestle with ideas. I'm there to take what works and work it in my life and the parts that don't work, I'm willing to leave on the table for somebody yes. else. Yes, yes. That's the, that's, that's the ticket. You know, it's interesting, Brother Jeff, that you say all those things that at the ground floor level of this is listening. Like, and, and, and some of us want that quick strategy, right? He didn't say anything like, wow, he didn't say anything profound to me. Like, he just told me to listen, right? But listening is, the, is at the forefront, right, of, of learning, right? You have to be able to hear the strategies. You have to be able to sit with those who have gone before you. And as you were talking, Brother Jeff, I began to say, okay, how do, how do those get over that fear? Like, I've got nothing. I'm at, the, I'm at the beginning part of this process, right? I'm not Brother Jess. I, I don't hang out with billionaires, but how do I get a chance to hang out with billionaires? Why are they going to want to hang out with me? What can, the, what can the person beginning in this process, how can they even get around those folks or get over the, the basic question? How can they get over the fear of hanging around people who got something, right, and they don't have anything at the outset, well, they have they 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 have to, in my opinion, realize that they have everything at the outset. It's their mindset that says they don't have. It's their mindset that says someone has more than me. A person with a million or a billion dollars is not different than someone who has that doesn't have that financial wherewithal. Like, for example, if you have integrity. That's worth a billion dollars. If you have a marketable skill, that's worth a billion dollars. But if you think that you're going to be able to sleep all during the day and then wake up and do something in, in line with your vision while all of the resources and all of the opportunities have been gobbled up and then you show up, you're like, I don't have anything. Why? Because you didn't get up and work your vision. And so everybody has a vision. One, listen. Two, then do something like if you don't have anything, that's the best thing not to have because you don't have nothing to lose. Go after something. And then no matter where you end, you will have something more than what you had when you started because you said you didn't have anything. And so it's not that difficult. It's kind of like, you know what? Do something like you. You frame it in these words. What's your revolution? Another way to say that is, what is it that you know how to do? Because everyone is looking for value 
in what they're doing. And if you can add value to what they're doing, um, you're going to put yourself in an indispensable position. Like a couple of examples. There are some things that once you do something, you're going to add to your knowledge base. I sold a piece of property once and didn't take advantage of some tax um, benefits, et cetera. And I learned a lesson at the end of a transaction and I was telling you know, someone about the situation and they said, well, how would you have known? <laughs> like, how would you have known to do something different? How would you have known not to do it this way or and not do it that way? You wouldn't know. But now that you know, you can share that information with someone else. There you go. Experience is the teacher. You can share that information with someone else. There are things that I do not know because I'm not exposed to it. But once I expose myself to it or someone gives me an opportunity, I'm in a position. Now I have another level of understanding about yeah. whatever it is. I was with my daughter two days ago. And Dr. Charles, think about this because young folks, it's not going to be a trip, what I'm about to say. <laughs> Older folks are going to say, damn. My daughter and her son-in-law purchased a Tesla. And they took me for a drive in this Tesla. The aha moment for me, Dr. Charles, in that drive was this. When my son-in-law said, you know this car doesn't have an engine. <laughs> Wait, what? That's what I said. Wait, it doesn't have an engine. It's got a battery. Brother, I did what you just said. He said, you know this car does not have an engine. I said, what? He said, there's no gas. There's no carburetor. There's no oil there. And under that hood is nothing but trunk space. <laughs> Wait, like, like, like the OVW back, back in the day. Bro, if you're from a different world and you can't imagine a car without an engine, you're going to have a very difficult time preparing yourself for the future that's already here. Brother, brother, tell this story. <laughs> I wake up every day now and the key word of my life is innovation. And I was talking to the CEO of my organization, right? Shout out to Camelback Ventures, right? Shout out to Aaron Walker and his vision of creating an opportunity for women and people of color to start ventures and to be funded by black folks, right? We talked about innovation and innovation often doesn't have to be technological. It is a revolution. It is a transformation, right? Simple, simple things in our lives. And he talked about today, and I, I'm going to get right back. He talked about it, it, as we're mired in a pandemic and he has two kids and he's the CEO of an organization. His wife is the CEO of an organization and their kids are stuck at home, right? Virtual. What's the innovation right there? Because they're, they're trying to run up and coming companies. The innovation was to hire a teacher. Simply that the innovation was to hire a teacher, but we have to think about those simple ways, right? If we don't get in this mindset of innovation and it goes back to what you're saying about our communities, if we do not take the opportunity to innovate our own communities, that boarded up property is innovation 
at its best, but we get scared. We get scared because the boarded up property in our minds, there's a stigma. That means that boarded up property is in a neighborhood. There's, there are bad and nefarious people. That black people are nefarious people. Something's going to happen. I'm going to wait till some white folks come, right? Because it makes it a little bit more palatable for me to invest. There's a coffee shop on the corner now. There's a yoga studio on the corner now. So maybe it's time for me to invest. No, because when that coffee shop comes and the white folks come and the yoga studio comes, that property is going to be worth more, right? Because we've seen policy initiatives say that that house was redlined for the longest period of time. But now that white folks have come in and put the yoga studio and the coffee shop, right? And they're walking their dogs, that property's value goes up. You missed out. You missed out. That's, that's a powerful, powerful framing of exactly where we're at. Like, like, for example, when you think about the coffee shop, my wife owns the coffee shop. <laughs> the, the neighborhood that is being what they call gentrified or whatever it is, the product or service that the, that the, the community is looking for, they're buying it from a black woman. The, the beans are coming from our home in, in Ethiopia. We're going there and we're getting the, the cough. The place where coffee was found and originated is a place where we have property, where we go and we pick up the coffee to bring back to our community to serve in her coffee shop that the neighborhood comes and supports. And so if folks are listening to this and they don't see COVID-19 as an opportunity, if they don't see the innovative ways in which to navigate and continue their livelihood in a post-COVID world, if they think that the world is about to reopen in a way that used to be, they're going to be at an extreme disadvantage. And so for Black folks who are being told right now, your children are being miseducated in these schools these, these institutions that have a school-to-prison pipeline, et cetera, and you know it, if you don't take an, a moment to say, over the past seven months, I've been educating my own children. Yes. They have not been suspended. They have not been put in the school-to-prison pipeline. I have not had to go argue with teachers and administrators about my child. The opportunity was, one, you learned who your children are. Yes. Two, you found out they can they, they can learn. Three, you're dealing with technology where the world deals with technology. And some know that there are cars that don't have motors. And we are dealing with school systems that are just trying to figure out how to use technology to teach children, which is just the same pattern of miseducation. They have no intention of your children understanding that they're 12 foot tall in a three foot pool. Why would they do that? And so if you're not taking this moment to say, well, hey, perhaps the teacher who understands our children could be employed by us if we all just pool our resources yes. and start our own community school and teach our own values and show what we have to share with the world. If my children realize that I have a cultural center, I have several businesses, my wife has several businesses, if they decide they want to go to college so they can go work for somebody else, that's on them. But Does if they realize that they can be an extension of what their parents and their grandparents, et cetera, have developed and pushed forward, 
then they have an opportunity to be free. Yeah. The choice yeah. is yours and the opportunity is always there. What would I tell somebody? The opportunity is always there because you woke up. You woke up. You woke up. You woke up and saw the power of innovation and, the, and you took that power into your hands. But the power of innovation rests with us. Jeff, you, you, you have... <laughs> <laughs> Revolutionaries, I, I know I say this every show, right? And I know I say that I love, I love doing this show because like, <laughs> did you just hear what this brother just said? Like, like it rests, like you, you woke up, like you woke up, you stood up, right? You can unshackle that two foot, look, that two foot man that's on your back when you stand up, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 you, <laughs> you got to stand up, right? You, you got to. You gotta stand up. And thinking about, I hear about families have created these pods, and and that is that's all the rage. Like, right? But the the that that pod innovation is just as palatable and just as amenable and just as intensification of our learning as it is for anyone else. And like you said, our children are not being suspended. They're not right being put in the uh, the the uh, prisons, the school to prison pipeline, right? learning when he said it when when Aaron Walker said today like we hired a teacher and what that does just that little center of innovation does for them is that it allows him to take the intensity off of being full-time CEO and full-time teacher full-time dad right full-time husband it allowed him to stay in his zone of genius going back to the beginning of this conversation earlier right the ability to sit in your zone of genius will allow you to go much farther in life, right? Even though we are shackled by racism and discrimination and misogyny and sexism and transphobia and homophobia and anything, the ability to sit in your genius, at least for a little bit longer, will intensify your success, right? Think about that. Think about how you can innovate your life. Is If that simple revolution is to, to find some simple innovation in your life so you can sit longer in your genius. Brother Jeff Fardis told you, like, just wake up. Look for the change, right? Look for the innovation. Look for the boarded up property in your neighborhood. I mean, if that's the, and that's the economic element, the spiritual element, the social element, the all of, like, we are the originators. We are the archetype of all of that. And that's the information, you know, that we seem to be missing. Like you just illustrated a beautiful point where someone stumbled upon Kuji Chagalia, collective work and responsibility. <laughs> I'm like, someone stumbled upon Kuji Chagalia. And many of those individuals have been lighting candles for 20 some odd 40 years right. in the name of the Nguzu Saba and not implementing that, pro that, that, that principle. I'm talking about in real time. Not implementing it, but celebrating the symbol, yeah. proving that there's no substance. We need to get away from the symbol and start getting beneath the symbol and practicing the substance of all of those simple principles that are not so-called black, 
they're just universal. They're just universal, dear brother. That united we stand, divided we fall. If that ain't Umoja, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Preach, brother. Tell the story. Tell the story. Brother Jeff, I mean, look, this, this conversation could go on. Go, could go on. Um, you know, and I'm sure revolution, as you've heard the inflection of my voice, the, the excitement talking to this brother. You know, as we begin to close out, Brother Jeff, you know, you said something earlier that still sticks with me. You know, you talked about what what does self-actualization look like for you? Tell us, what does that what does that look like? What does that look and feel like for you, Brother Jeff Fard, to actualize, to be in that space? Oh, man, to wake up, look in the mirror and see God. Hmm. <laughs> wake up listen tell that your 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 perception of god can only be as high as your own consciousness and so to wake up and to look into a mirror and to see god is to say that i am unlimited i'm unbound there there's nothing i cannot achieve why because if there was something I couldn't achieve, then that means I'm putting limits on God. <laughs> so it's that simple. And then understanding the fact that when I see you, Brother Charles, I see God. And the power in that is the reason we need each other is because I have never seen my own face with my own eyes. I need you to see me so that you can tell me if what I'm looking at is actually me. Yeah. So my we boy. each other. Yes. We, we. There, there are parts of your body you have never seen with your own eyes, like the yeah. back of your head. Mm. And so to wake up and to be self-actualized and to see the, the magnificent, I'm not talking about this, the, 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 technological advances and the governments and the intricate corporate structures and the economy and the, the supply chain and all of the, the laws and all of the advancements. I'm talking about the movement of my hand, the blinking of my eye, the, the, the ability to smell, the, the use of a thumb, a big toe. I'm talking about skin. I'm talking about when I look at myself, and I see the absolute perfection of an engineer that created me in a womb of triple darkness that my mother didn't even hear. No hammer, no nail, no sound, no nothing. That puts me in the mindset that I'm not gonna pay attention to that two foot man. I'm gonna just stand up in that three foot pool. <laughs> yes. You know, the funny, the funny thing about this, Jeff, is that it's going to take some people some time to really understand that, right? <laughs> right? Three-foot pool, two-foot man, but I'm 12 foot. Uh, look, I'm 12 feet tall. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some time for people to, to rest with that, you and know? believe it. Yes. And Be if they don't believe it, just stand up. Just stand up. Just stand up. Be revolutionary. The revolutionary act in itself is to just stand up. Yeah. <laughs>
to stand up. Brother Jeff, man, like I said, this conversation could go on. It is it is late here on the East Coast, and I know that you have had a long day, you know, creating revolution for your community, creating revolution for yourself and for your family, creating revolution for me, because you have given me you have given me food. <laughs> you have given me food. And that is why I do this. And revolutionaries, you have heard me say this time and time again, that I not only do this show, right, but I'm a fan of this show, right? I'm a fan because when it's all said and done, when this show is engineered and I put it up, I'm the first one to listen to the show, to see where my food is coming from, right? I invite people on this show because I need to be fed just like you, dear brothers, and the people who love us that need this food. And Brother Jeff, you have given us, <laughs> you have given us a buffet tonight. You have given us a buffet. If you want to check out Brother Jeff, go to his page. Is it your, your, your Facebook page where you can see his week, lively, nightly podcast on his Facebook page, Brother Jeff? Yeah, just go uh, to Jeff Farrard, F-A-R-D. You'll see, um, you know, you'll, you, you'll see a reflection of, of Dr. Charles. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> reflection of God, right? Every night on his page, uh, Brother Jeff Cultural Center in Denver, this brother is making, not even making, he has done, he is creating, he is cultivating a community of people, right? In the likeness of God, that are activists, that are transformative, that are revolutionary. He is their leader, but he is their voice. Uh, but he is also the ability to push. He is their catalyst. Brother Jeff, I am in admiration of you, dear brother, and grateful for you spending time with me, grateful for my sister, our sister, Lakidra, for bringing us together for that wonderful ride across the causeway a couple of years ago as Wait. we went, yeah, as we went to speak to some young boys, as we hopefully provided some food for them, some food and thought. Uh, I will take this conversation, uh, and I'm hoping that my revolutionaries will be fed as I am. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do for me, for you do for us, and what you do for the world, dear brother. Well, I appreciate it, and my, my parting words will be the opening word that you uh, started with, and just uh, Dr. Charles, in one word, how are you doing? <laughs> I, am, I am blessed, I am grateful, I am transformed because of this conversation. Right on. Yeah. My revolutionaries, we implore you to take hold of your life, right? We implore you to stand up. We implore you to answer this question about how you can revolutionize and transform your life. And we are here for you. We are here for you as this last quarter comes to a close. Make the most of it. Go vote. Go vote. Go vote. Stand up. Stand up as if your life depended on it, as if you were drowning in that three-foot pool, revolutionaries. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, everyone. And remember, always be able to answer that question. What's your revolution? Take care. Peace. What's good, revolutionaries? Powerful stuff, bro.